Hello and welcome to Ruptory Screenings episode 83. I'm your host, Am. With me are we got Coast Jackson. What up, what up, what up? And Destiny. What up, what up, what up, bro? Uh, we'll address the elf in the room. Destiny has a fucking runny nose today and is going to be gross. My apologies in advance. <laughs> I was planning on muting the mic I know, for but we're going to have to lampshade it because there's no way you're going to get all of them. And I don't want to edit out every time you sniffle for the next hour and a half. Just make sure if you get a CPAP machine that you, you have your humidifier set hot enough I, to prevent You're just this. adjusting. You're just adjusting. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to go in order of least to most in terms of movies, I think. So, Destiny, what have you watched in the last two weeks? I ain't watched nothing. All right. I Great. ain't seen nothing will be nothing. <laughs> uh, Jackson. Uh, I've only watched a couple of movies I've watched this week. Uh, I watched Whiplash, uh, the 2014 drumming film, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was okay. <laughs> uh, it's a little muddled and confused, uh, and the entire thing is premised on like, h- how much would you like sacrifice under this this uh, abusive relationship to achieve artistic perfection? Is it worth it? Is it this? And it's premised on that, but like he's not it's weird the choice to make it about drumming just gives it this weird tone because the thing he is making is not beautiful art it's a bad drum solo (laughs) like it doesn't represent the ways in which you become good at drums uh which is like he goes into a room and practices like fucking goku on the uh in the hyperbolic time chamber right like he 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 is working day and night blooding his hands to get better to become perfect and that's not that's not how you that's not how you get better at drums you you get better by listening to people you're like in the rhythm section it's like a collaborative thing and there's no vision of that whatsoever which isn't necessarily a negative because the movie is like all about uh like the drums are incidental but it does give it a weird tone like the choice of doing it about like drums rather than like performing a super virtuous like guitar solo right it just gives it a different tone because of what the instrument represents it's like the most collaborative unshowy instruments uh no one no one famously at any gig ever is happy for there to be a drum solo that's just true of life everyone's always annoyed um and uh so that's that that's weird but i i i thought it was okay i definitely like after finishing it went and saw some of the like discussions around it and um was just surprised like this movie is like this is such a shocking incredible masterpiece it's fucking not it's 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 okay it's fine uh and also like so much of it focuses on like whether it was worth it and and uh whether the the like it, it, it's letting the abuser off the hook or whatever and less of it focuses on the fact that the main character the guy who goes through this is a intolerable shitbag from minute one he sucks he's awful i hate him um and that just colors the film like it's not about an innocent guy getting swindled by uh like a weird abusive person it's about someone with this like super unhelpful mindset of like you know hustle culture i'm gonna be the best by my own uh strength and i'm gonna try so hard but i'm gonna like treat all my relationships like shit i'm never gonna make like emotional attempts to connect with people uh because that doesn't matter i just want to be remembered and be great um and so of course the person he finds to like give him that connection is uh someone who also believes this thing that isn't true uh and um i I think like that reading of the movie is like the obvious one to me doesn't seem to be the way it's read online um but uh like i like it more through that lens which is the way i was taking it than the like this is a 
is it worth it to suffer for art film i don't i don't really think that is a how i ended up reading it um but it, it was fine it wasn't like a super bad movie um another part of my big reaction was like i just i just don't like the modern you know the modern movie thing of everything is shot like a david fincher movie <laughs> even if it's not uh like intense <laughs> uh you know digital color grading everything looks fake and washed out uh and it's done with purpose but it's just not an aesthetic i i really like and then to contrast that i also watched the truman show which is the most middle of the road 90s movie you could possibly get uh but then when you, you watch a 90s movie you're like man fucking movies they had color and lighting and they were great <laughs> The Truman Show is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> the Truman Show is so weird. It's it's crunchier than I was expecting. It's it's mostly just good fun. Um, I think its social commentary is like kind of bad, uh, but it's also not about the things that like that movie is um, set as being this like prescient film about reality TV, uh, and it's just not. It's just not about reality TV, even a little bit. <laughs> Because the thing, the reality TV is about the like, commodification, the like commodification of the self, right? And that's not what's going on. Because he's a prison. He doesn't know he's the whole thing is he doesn't know he's on a thing. <laughs> so it yeah, I mean, much more- the Truman Show is about like crisis of faith. Uh, it's about crisis of faith, but it's a, it's also about like the way it does this metatextual TV stuff is it becomes about like the thing that everyone watching a television show, like watching a soap opera, craves, right? The thing they need in their heart is the, for the television show to fucking end. <laughs> um, it becomes about like the plot the, when the people are watching the Truman Show, right? In the Truman Show, they are watching the plot of the movie, not the plot of a fake television show. They are invested in whether he gets out. Yes, uh, they want him to get out of the, the thing. Um, like there's without the Truman Show happening, there's no story. There's no like they have to make the that the conflict of the thing, uh, and so it just becomes about the ways in which, uh, at least to me, it's about like the ways in which two in you know you string audiences along forever on these emotional catharsis that might never happen because that's how you get people tuning in to watch adverts on a television show, uh, mm. and that was the way I took it. Like the meta stuff about the like creating stories rather than about like uh, reality TV because the the sci-fi-ness is so abstract from how that actually goes. I don't think any of that critique lands. I it's very funny because my read on the Truman show is it's a movie about realizing God is real, but also he's just a guy who kind of sucks, who runs your life and you can just leave. Um, yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. He does say, I am the creator. And I'm like, you're Ed Harris though. <laughs> His ridiculous, uh, beret. Man, this is a movie for everyone in nineties movies. Just showing up. Yes. Yes, when you Laura you, Linney, you get like two thirds of the way through, and it's like, of course, Paul Giamatti's in the like Jurassic Park on the screens role. Of course he is. Why would he not be? Like, <laughs> it couldn't be anyone else. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mostly had a good time. I didn't, I didn't like I think it cohered in a it's super strong way. Uh, it was very muddled with all the stuff it was doing, especially with like the extremely nineties, like oh the the empty consumers just want to watch what's on tv and it's kind of also their fault if you think about it uh stuff uh you know just didn't hit as hard in the social commentary as um i'd been led to believe but i did i did enjoy it It was a fun movie i liked jim carrey in it which is more than i can say for a lot of movies jim carrey is in uh yeah he's great it's one of his better roles uh yeah so I have 12 movies, not counting the one we're about to talk about for this podcast that I've watched in the last two weeks. 
Um, but I'm going to cut out three of them automatically. So first off, me and Jackson watched Titanic uh, with our so friends true. Neve, Autumn, and Molly. You can find that at Blockbusters, patreon.com, social mapping for $5 a month. We had a very raucous episode about Titanic, uh, what James Cameron thinks and does to the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be our enduring uh, in joke about that one. Um, <laughs> yes, Christ. Um, I also watched. Um, so I'm just taking that out of the thing. Titanic's pretty good; still holds up pretty well. Um, I also watched Smooth Talk, the 1985 Joyce Chopper movie, um, and a Brighter Summer Day, the 1991 Edward Yang movie. Um, I talked about both of these on Around the Long Fire, which is uh, my my podcast on our network, emeraldmapping.com uh, slash longfire, that's ostensibly about Icelandic sagas, but has mostly become a recap and reevaluation of what was talked about on Ornate Stairwells the prior week, which is an expert audio show that you can find at exportaud.io. Um which is Neve and Autumn's movie podcast, and they watch Smooth Talk, and Neve asked me to watch Smooth Talk, so I watched Smooth Talk. Smooth Talk's a five-star movie, just fucking incredible. Like, go watch Smooth Talk today. Uh, do it for yourself. It's really good. Um, liked it a lot. Brighter Summer Day is a four-hour crime drama about teenagers in Taiwan in the 1960s, and I thought it was kind of boring, but just because I don't really like crime dramas about anything, period. Especially not for four hours. Actually, the four hour part is not a problem. It's a really beautiful movie and the acting's all really good. I just don't give a shit about when there's two groups of people and they hate each other for reasons that are kind of nebulous and set up by society and a lot of tragedy happens on both sides. I'm like, don't care. Fuck off. Good fellas. Eat a dick. Um, when we watched 20 episodes of Technolize doing that. <laughs> this is, this kicks the shit out of Technolize. Well, you know, <laughs> like, obviously, but every time you complain about uh, crime movies, I think about like the worst version of that that was Technolize for us. It was just yeah. hit the brain so bad. This is nothing against Edward Yang. I'm excited for to watch some of his other movies. Um, I just didn't like this one that much. Just not my aesthetic. Actually, aesthetically, it's really beautiful. It's like a nice pastel-looking uh, movie. It's version of the 1960... 1960 Taiwan seems like a real bad place to live in. I'll be honest. Um, but um, we talked about that a little on uh, Round Along Fire. Um, and I have nothing ad- additional to say to that. So I'm just going to take it out of the list. Uh, which gives me nine movies. <laughs> Oh, that was the three that we weren't talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, (laughs) I watched X and Pearl. That was in between? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, So, X, both movies came out last year. Uh, X is set in 1979. It's a bunch of teens... It's horror movie ne'er-do-wells, just young people about to sign up for a bad time who go out to a rural Texas farmhouse that they're renting to shoot a porno because it's going to be their path to success or whatever. Um, and that the house they're renting is owned by this old couple um, who's an actual old man. And then uh, Mia Goth, who's also in the as the lead role is like the, the obvious final girl. Um but as in old age makeup and they're shooting this porno and it's all about like the weird nebulousness of like celebrity and how we all want to be famous. And uh, some people think it's evil to do porno, but actually it's good because it's liberating for women to take off their clothes. But in like the most like aggressive dudes movie in the world. And also on top of that, the old lady um, Pearl of the movie we're going to talk about in a second uh, is just like 
sad that her old husband won't fuck her anymore. And she's like, I could have been a star. I had the thing these young kids had once and I'm going to like make them fuck me or I'm going to murder them. And then goes on like this huge like slasher thing. But it's all about how fucking gross it is for old people to have sexuality. Um, and the whole movie is just regressive and stupid. This is genuinely one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Um, one star easy, just miserable. Do not You've recommend. Been, you've been mad about it since you watched it. And that it's, so, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's not even a good slasher. room. once the slash stuff, stuff stuff starts, you're like, at least like there's people dying, but it's like lit badly. And all the like murder gimmicks are boring. It's, it's just a fucking terrible film. Um, the way the things it's all about, like there's a whole bit, like the final reveal of the movie is like the, the final girl, um, Maxine, who's played by Mia Goth, who also plays the slasher, obviously, whatever, um, survives. Everyone's dead. The old lady's dead. The old guy's dead. All of her friends are dead, blah, blah, blah. Um, she wanted to do this porno and become famous. She's like, she works in like a strip joint. She's doing coke. Uh, like our first scene, she's snorting coke and being like, I'm a star. And I'm like, yeah, I've all seen Boogie Night. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> and, um, the final thing you realize that like the, the 1979 hellfire and brimstone preacher who's been like narrating, like just coming in and talking about sin and blah, 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 and damnation over the course of the movie uh, is on the TV as the camera pans to it. And he holds up a picture of Maxine and goes, even my daughter was swayed by the forces of darkness. And you're like, Oh, she's a preacher's daughter. Isn't that profound? It's like, no, it sucks. It sucks. Everything about this sucks. Uh, terrible, terrible movie. Anyway, uh, Ty West went and shot two movies that are a sequel and a prequel. And the, the sequel's not out yet. Um, but the prequel came out. It's called Pearl. Um, the old woman who's like horny and disgusting. The movie just paints every review positive is like, oh, it's so gross to see like old people who want to fuck. Um, it's miserable. Like the, the people who like this movie, I think are like actively engaging in like just the most regressive, hateful thinking. I can't find a good review of this that isn't like just indulging in things that I think are repellent. I tried. I was like, what do people see in this movie? Um, and I couldn't find a single one. Genuinely. You just like scroll down the letterbox for literally ages and it's just people saying like, oh, I, I hate all ugly ass old people. Get away from me. And it's like, oh, glad I'm young and hot. Good thing this will never happen to me. Uh, That's like, ridiculous. It's, yeah. It's all over the fandom of this movie. It's weird. So that is weird. The, the second movie, Pearl, is Mia Goth as the old woman. Now it's like 1913, I think. Um, and her husband's off fighting World War One, and she's living with her mom. Fighting it early, I guess. Mother-in-law, whatever. I don't know, whatever. He's <laughs> off at the war. He's going to come back. Um, and she really wants to get off this farm. It's the same farmhouse that the uh x takes place on um and it's like i want to go and be a big star i deserve to be a big star and she wants to she's like trying to get there's like this traveling like almost like uh like you know dance review show that she wants to audition for and she's practicing in the fields and her mom's like this german immigrant who's like no fun only work um very obvious shit um and she sees she goes to the movie house and sees movies and is like, I'm going to be a big celebrity. I'm like, oh, yeah, the hot movies of the 19 1910s uh, that everyone was going wild for with big celebrities. I'm like, this is too this is two decades too early for this idea of what celebrity culture is. Um, but you have to make it 1910s because she's an old ass lady in 1979. They've just backed themselves into an impossible, stupid corner that didn't have to be real um, because it's a prequel to the other movie that sucked. Um and uh, she's like exploring her forbidden sexuality. There's a part where she like humps a scarecrow in the fields and it's shot like fucking Wizard of Oz. Um, 
It's just it, it's like enraptured with like technicolor filmmaking. But I'm like, it's the 1910s. It should look like a, you should. This should be a silent movie. This should be like a, a Academy ratio silent movie. If you're going to like lean into the aesthetics of film or you should set in the fucking 40s. Um, I liked it more than X. It's still a terrible film. Um, and that's because is- it's just it's just a story of a, a of a sheltered girl who goes crazy and starts murdering people. Um, I think it's like ideas of celebrity are equally like backwards thinking and, and regressive in the same way that all the things in X were. Um, it just also is not like actively engaging in like ageist gross shit and like weird. There's like all these jokes uh, in X that are like just about like porn shit. And there's like a black character and there's a bit where he like answers the door naked. And you just see him in silhouette and they got to really emphasize the fact that he's got a huge dick because he's the black guy. Um, it's just like awful. The movie's fucking awful. I hate X so much. Um, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like the fucking uh baby's arm gag in uh Austin Powers two when he answers the door. That's basically what they're doing. It sucks. Oh. I hate that movie. Um, it, it's been like this for two weeks, by the way. You'll be talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll suddenly just like veer back to X. And another thing that happens in X. It's like, you, you hate this movie in ways of like uh. You just like I feel like I get like this about things more than you uh, when I just find a thing that just like gets in my ideological crawl. But X has done it for you hard. It's fucking you despise that movie. And the yeah. worst thing is you're oh, you're locked in now. You're gonna watch the third one when it comes out. So yeah, there's a third one coming. They shot two and three at the same time. Uh, it's coming out this year. It's called Maxine. It's about Mia Goth again as the lady who survived X. But now it's the 1980s and she's actually an adult film. St- it's Maxine with three X's, like triple X. Uh, and she's an adult film star in like the VHS era. And once again, I go, I know I've seen Boogie Night. Shut the fuck up. Um, I'm just, I'm mad. I'm mad. I think these are terrible. Um, and I feel like their popularity is like among the set that just like takes them in very ironically and unearnestly, which I'm like, why, how do you, why is that a mode of consumption that people want to engage in? I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I don't really even want to understand it because I find it so gross. Like I, I just, mm. it's like, ugh, it just bothers me. That's all. I think they're bad. Um, okay, well, only upwards from here. Uh, there's one more bad movie in this list, but yes. It's still upwards. You don't, I, whatever it is, you haven't talked about it like you talked about X. That's true. <laughs> uh, the, my other bad movie has many, many of the same problems as X, though. Uh, anyway, um, I watched Party Girl, um, the Daisy Von Schroeder Mayer, a 1995 indie classic about Parker Posey as just a fuck up uh, who needs money and so she gets her aunt to get her a job in a library and she's trying very hard to not fuck up working in this library but mostly she wants to like do drugs and fuck guys and hang out and um it's just it's just it's just cute and funny uh parker posey's a delight as always um i love her in everything i've seen her in um honestly this movie's like I was expecting something as like, oh, it's like a mid 90s indie darling uh, of like a whole like scene. I thought it'd be a little more like clued in hard hitting. I thought it'd be more drugs and like people who survived AIDS uh, and, you know, gay communities because it's like in New York City or whatever. Um, It's none of that. This is just a fucking like light uh, comedy about a down on her luck girl. It might as well be a studio film. It's just slightly better than that because it's not, you know. I, I enjoyed it. I gave it like four stars, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I was just expecting something a little more like into it. It's not <laughs> great music, great fashion. It's a really, it's fun in that those ways. Um, but it's not really about much of anything. Uh, then I watched Megan with Regan. 
Mithrigan. The 2022 horror movie about the world's worst software developer and roboticist uh, <laughs> who ends up adopting her, her niece after her parents die in a car crash and decides instead of parenting, she's going to make the AI and robot she's working into into a robot girl who can be the surrogate parent because she doesn't fucking want to do it. Um, and then somehow gets offended when the robot decides I'm a better parent than you. You're the world's biggest fuck up. Um, <laughs> this is literally the plot of Megan. Um, yeah. I really like this movie. I think it's really funny. Um, the it, it touches on this weird thing where she makes this robot girl and the robot girl is like in this weird place where she's like played by a puppeteer, obviously. Um a 12-year-old girl who does all the, like, body movements, and then an 18-year-old girl who woman who does, like, all the voice stuff. So she exists in, like, this weird role where she's, like, a peer to the little girl, um, a parent figure to the little girl, um, but also, like, a peer, like, a, a rival to the mother, like, the the aunt who's taking care of her. I'm just going to call her the mother for, safe, like, reasonability's sake. Um, and also there's all this, like, she's, like, the threatening hot girl, but there's no, like... But, like, just in the movie, there's, like, just the simmering, like, weird tension between her and the mom. It's, like, we're competing to be the best mom, but also, like, she's, like, the the slobby, like, software developer. And this is, like, the the evil hot lady. And there's, like, a weird tension there. Um, really? I Yeah, there's also all the stuff about, like, the way the software guys and all the guys react to her, to Megan, is partially i think about her sexualization there's a bit where like this bully um is attacking the girl and megan goes to stop him and he throws megan down and like climbs on top of her in a way that like is like the way you would shoot a rape scene right he's like assaulting her and then she flips over backwards and kills him but uh and it's great but like there's a i feel like there's like a tacitness to the part where like human-sized figures of women have a connotation of like being sexual objects in society and i think megan's okay. definitely playing with that I didn't pick that up, but that's really interesting. Um, I haven't seen it, but I assume if it's like about the ways in, you know, I know it's about a like a surrogate mother for a child, but when a software developer makes a fake woman to help you out with tasks, right? There's always like a weird. <laughs> yeah, it's I weird because as a little girl, this stuff is like definitely like third tier simmering, but especially mm-hmm. with the show of the bully where he like pushes her down and is like climbing on top of her i feel like I, I feel like that's shot in a way that is implying things there's a cinematic language being used that is usually used for men assaulting women right mm-hmm. um uh and i think there's just a lot of like ground to be seen like if, if this movie makes a bunch of sequels which i i kind of hope it does i think there's a lot um, of different aspects you can travel along and pick up to do different stories as it as it Megan evolves 2.0 2025 yeah exactly um and uh, that stuff's all really interesting. I think the last, like, 15 minutes where it becomes just a monster movie are... There's a bit where the... Spoilers for Megan, I guess. Just skip ahead a couple minutes. There's a bit where the, the she's, like, attacking the mom, about to kill her. And the little girl comes in and she's got, like, these, these like, AR gloves on for the, the, the big, like, non-human robot that... Um, that the mom has been made like made and mothballed when she was in college or whatever and activates it. Like it's the fucking power loader and aliens and does the whole, like get away from her, you bitch. And I'm like, I just rolled my eyes. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. I wish the movie go back to being the thing it was before this. Um, I hate that. stuff. Oh, I liked that. I thought it was fine. I thought it was cute. Um, it's just too cutesy. And I, and the movie just abandons all sympathy for like Megan's position at that point. And I think the, the movie's at its best when you're like, yeah, she's going too far because you didn't, like, actually give her any sort of morality. You just kind of set her, you turned her on and let her go. But, like, she's not wrong about most of the things she's talking. Like, 
you have to have the part where she's saying things that are right to make it work. I think she's a compelling villain when she is talking about the ways in which children are like utilized by adults, just be like objects you sell to things you put in a corner. You don't actually, they're not people. It doesn't matter. They are just like burdens on adults unless they turn into vehicles for consumption. I think the movie has a lot of that in it and it's really good. And at the end, it's just like murder robot and murder robot is like the least interesting thing you can do with a robot. Um, and I think the movie is much worse then, but like, that's fine. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm really excited to see more of it. Um, it's good. That's all. I think it's, uh, you can, I don't know. That's available. You don't have to go to a theater to see that. I can promise you that. I was going to say it's that's on, on Shutter, Prime. but no, that was Skinner Marine. Yeah, it's on Prime, right? Um, let's see. Uh, I watched some documentaries. I'm not going to mention those. I don't have much to say. The movie I didn't like, I rewatched VHS, which I had not seen since it was in theaters in 2012, which is a, um, it is a series of shorts. Uh, there's a framing device of these like hooligans break into this house and they've been like tasked to steal this one VHS and they find like a dead body and a bunch, like it's like a hoarder house and they find a bunch of VHSs and they're all unlabeled. So they got to watch the one to find the one they want. They put the, each time they put one in, it's another one of these shorts that are it's like four or five horror shorts that are all found footagey um and they're all supposedly from like the like i guess they're not all from the 90s but a lot of them feel like late 90s early aughts uh and um it's just miserable it's i remember liking this movie in 2012 when i saw it i thought it was fine and every every short is about like this broy guy or group of guys who really want to fuck a lady and they want to film fucking the lady. Um, and they're trying to convince her to, to film them fucking. And even if she's interested, she's like, no, I don't want to like, I'll fuck you, but you can't put the camera on. Um, and, and they're like, Oh, I can't believe you're busting my balls, by not letting me film our amateur porn video. Like it happens like four times in a row. I'm like, what is happening here? Um, every guy is unlikable and every woman is like either a victim or turns out to secretly be evil, but playing a victim every single time. It's just like lads movie. It's just like the most misogynistic shit over and over and over and over again. I do not understand how they put this collection together. Well, I know how, cause the people who made it are the people who like shot the things. Um, it's just miserable. Isn't one of them the Pearl guy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the, the Ty West one is about this couple who go on vacation and um, and he wants to film her fucking. She's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'll like, fuck you. But, you know, this is the third one of these in a row. Um, and um, in the night, someone sneaks in, breaks in and like films them like, you know, there's a whole bit where she like waves a knife on the, the like runs a knife down the girl's leg and like gets a toothbrush and like the guy's toothbrush and like dunks it in the toilet. And then you see him the next morning and he's brushing his teeth with it, whatever. Um, and it turns out at the end, like there's a person breaks in again and like stabs the guy in the neck. And it turns out it's, it's his wife's secret lesbian lover and they kiss to the camera. And that's the end of the short. What? Miserable. <laughs> Fucking miserable. I saw this movie and I remember liking it. And remember, I do remember thinking, well, this is about how men suck. But like <laughs> the thing is, the like it's weird because like it is it in every in every short the men are the ones who die and get punished, right? But it takes this the point of view character is always it's normal for guys to want to like fuck women and film it every single time. They're just girls gone wild brained assholes. Mm. Um, by making them the point of view character in literally every short, it just automatically puts 
that as like the presumptive audience for the movie to me. Like even right, if you're yeah. saying they're the ones who get murdered, that doesn't mean they're not the point of view character, right? That's true. Um, yeah. it's and like, I just found it so distasteful. I would love to revisit because yeah, I also liked it and. Yeah, I don't. And there's there's know. like five of these, right? And a couple of them, like there were movies that came out in a couple years apart, and now Shutter just makes one every Halloween, and they get a bunch of like it's a good format to just make shorts, right? Um, and I'm hoping as time goes on and different actor like directors come in, they get better. Um, I love them. I love the sequels. I think I, they're great. Yeah. I almost barfed watching the most recent one. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope I'm, I'm looking forward to that because there was nothing that was particularly like interesting about the kills parts of these. I thought they were all pretty sedate. There's um, a really good vampire one, and I want to say the second film, but okay. now I get them all mixed up. So, um, but yeah, I thought I this was know. pretty dire. Has many of the same problems that X and Pearl do. You just these fucking guys have to be stopped. The directors get more diverse as they go on. Like yeah. they get a lot of international directors and it does get better. But um, I would have to revisit that first one because I remember having issues with it, but I remember liking it overall. But, you know, 2012 me is not 2023. Yeah, exactly. Me, so, I, I had know. given this four stars and bumped it down to two when I was re-rating it on Letterboxd. So, that, you know, this, okay. is the, this is the intervening 11 years. This is what happens. <laughs> um, no more time for this kind of like... No, absolutely not. Dudes, no. Cr- dudes criticizing themselves, but in a way that reveals that they just think that it's very normal to just do these things from the off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, then I watched in the entire opposite direction, Barbie as the princess and the pauper, um, which is the fourth Barbie animated film. It's do the first s- musical. Have they got yeah. better? Like, do they do they look more like real movies yet? Mm, a little bit. Maybe okay. a little bit, like like ten percent. Like no, um, this one's really good though. This is just a really good movie. Um, I had a great time with it. It's just you know this this normal story. There's no like magic. There's no framing device of Barbie talking to her little sister in real life. This is just the princess and the pauper, the prince of the pauper story. But w- the two girls, one of which is Barbie with blonde hair, one of which is Barbie with brown hair, and they gotta trade places. Um, and it's pretty good. That's it. Just straightforward. The music's all pretty solid. Um, I think there'll be more musicals in the future. I'm surprised it took them to four, but two of the previous ones were like, you know, ballet adaptations. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, then I watched Close Up by Abbas Kiarostami, um, the 1990 movie. Uh, this movie's fantastic. Um, <laughs> it's, so it is a, a docudrama about a real life thing that happened where a guy, um, a guy, pretended to be a well-known filmmaker uh, to get into this family's house because he promised to put them in a, in a documentary or like a movie he was making. He's like, just kind of like an independent, like, you know, I guess what is the difference between independent film and just cinema um, when you're not in the United States? So whatever it was going to put him in his next movie. So he like used this pretense to get in their house and like hit him up for money or whatever. And when it was found out that he was a fraud, he was arrested, uh, which brought Abbas Kiarostami in because he thought this story was really interesting. And so he gets everyone involved, the family and the guy um, and the real filmmaker he pretended to be and kind of like reenacts the trial. um, But also just like makes like interviews the family and it's all presented as like, what is the heart of this weird human interest story? Um, And what is it that makes people want to partake in cinema? Um, And it's just like talking about the the magic of a like transformation of 
putting things on a, in a camera and on a screen. Um, whether that is like a documentary or a piece of fiction, it's still like transformative. It has no bearing on the real other than the way people invest in it. And it's just really smart. It's fucking good. Um, if you like F for fake and you want like a version of that, it's not like a magic trick, but it's just like people looking to camera talking about what it is that appeals to them about the idea of film itself, but not wanking about movies, just like, what reality is and how people narrativize it. It's so good. I love this movie. I thought it was incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. Can't recommend it enough. Um, And then uh, last night I watched Virtuosity. uh, The 1995 Brett Leonard movie, uh, which is about uh, Denzel Washington as a cop who is now in jail because a serial killer murdered his family and blew off his arm and he fucking murdered him and all of his guys. Um, in cold blood and now he went to jail for it um and uh to reduce his sentence they are putting him in a vr rig to train against a a serial killer ai that they've been cooking up called sid 6.7 played by russell crowe in like a fucking flamboyant enormous suit who just loves murder um and he convinces one of the dev guys to put him in a android machine that just looks like him and goes breaks out the real world and they they're gonna give uh they're gonna they're gonna give denzel a full pardon if he tracks down and defeats sid 6.7 um brett leonard famously did lawnmower man um he he's known for making a couple movies in the 90s that are all very cheap looking um and corny um this is 10 times the movie lawnmower man is this movie's incredible yes it looks cheap yes the sci-fi stuff is goofy yes everyone is chewing scenery that is in itself an aesthetic that is gone from this earth. Uh, there's just like an energy to all of this uh, because it's Denzel and Russell Crowe and they know what they're doing. There's a bunch of great uh, character actors in here like William Forsythe's like his chief, his, his like police captain um, who's just got a mustache and a bad attitude the whole time. Uh, William Fickner's in here is just like a middle guy who sucks. Uh, Louise Fletcher's like a fake, a fake Hillary Clinton in 1995. It's outrageous. Um this movie's so much fun. I adored it. Uh, all the dialogue is funny. Um, all the action is goofy. Um, there's some great like CG stuff in it. Um, all the fashion is loud. There's a whole bit where Sid uh, take like a, a Texas nightclub and holds everyone at gunpoint and records their screams into like a theremin sampler and then plays all of their screams as like a dance number. Uh, you can't hate a movie like that. It's just too good. It's just too <laughs> fucking good. That's what the cinema is. Yeah. Um, I had three five-star movies I watched in the last two weeks and it was smooth talk, close up and virtuosity. All Titans of cinema. <laughs> That's fucking right. Um, Oh, it's so good. Um, the ways in which, like, I like the one, I think Virtuosity does a lot of that stuff better. Um, it's very funny to see. Um, cause like this but, movie you look at and you're like, well, the one took this, but like the Matrix took that other thing. Like there's a lot of the Matrix that's in this movie. Um, yes. And, uh, it's just really surprising. Um, there's, there's, there's the whole bit in iRobot that's just lifted from this movie. <laughs> it's it's so weirdly influential like as an yeah. action movie uh in this milieu um, um i watch this primarily because one austin's been bugging us to watch it you watched it a couple like months ago and i just hadn't gotten years ago at this point please i think that was last year at this point um, um let me take a look i'm gonna take a look at exactly what day it was you think it was october 2021 mate okay okay well <laughs> um anyway um next lander the people who used to be a giant bomb who left to form their own website. Um, 
their gaming podcast, I would say, is like so-so, but they have a watch cast uh, that you get for free. Like you get it early on the Patreon, but they do put it out for free. Is February, they're doing 90s sci-fi action movies. It's like Virtuosity, Demolition Man, um, Johnny Mnemonic, and then something else I hadn't even heard of. I, I downloaded it. I don't know what it is. Um, don't remember off the top of my head. Not going to look it up. Um, that podcast is really good. Um, it's mostly Alex Navarro walking Vinny and brad through movies they haven't seen before um i like it they also watched the first season of star trek the original series it's really good uh i if you like movie podcasts and you want one that covers probably shit you've seen or heard of um and not like the random shit that like ornate stairwells or us do uh it's a good one to just like put on and have a good time watching very normal people be amazed by how good cinema used to be uh which everyone does honestly <laughs> once you watch old cinema you're like man we used to have it so fucking good People looked at Virtuosity and said, what is this piece of shit? They didn't know what they had. <laughs> uh, this is, I also was thinking this watching um, Truman Show, which is like a, you know, it's a movie that's well liked, but it is also emblematic of like, this was considered the kind of Schmaltzy. like, smaltzy yes. mass media. You know, we, th- we said this yeah. about uh, You've Got Mail as well, right? Like, like this was the low culture media stuff. You know, some of those high concept ideas are like Truman Show is a well-respected movie, but yes. I just mean like... The thing on the screen is a very earnest mass media, wide audience, expensive thing. And this this was symbolic of uh, what cinema was doing. And it's fucking gone. Yeah. It's gone. Uh, that's it for me. A lot of movies. I've just been watching movies. You have been watching movies. All right. We can begin uh, the Neon Demon segment now in this 90 minute podcast that we're doing. Yeah. All right. Our movie this week is the Neon Demon uh, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, screenplay by Mary Laws, Nicholas Mining Ruffin, and Polly Stenham. Uh, this came out in uh, uh, the stars, Elle Fanning, Jenna Malone, uh, Christina Hendricks, Counter Reeves. <laughs> um, this came out in 2016, famously had a con premiere where like some people clapped and others walked out. And it was like, oh, damn, the divisive cinema of the new age. Jackson, what happens with the movie? <laughs> All right. Uh, how many sentences do I get? As many as you want. Don't go on too long. Because <laughs> I can do it in two. <laughs> like, no, don't do not do it in two. Do it in more than two. Give it, a, give, it a, give it its fair shake so we don't have to keep elaborating later. Okay, well, uh, this movie is about Jesse, uh, which uh, Elle Fanning plays, uh, a 16-year-old uh, who moves to L.A. and wants to be a model uh, and uh, make money doing it because she's just like a pretty young girl uh, who knows that she's pretty and sees this as her path to like a stable life uh she moves to la uh is immediately uh told to like okay lie about your age you're 19 now uh and you're gonna uh get work with this agency because you've got the looks uh and um meets forms a immediately fake friendship with the other girls who see her as competition as she rises up the ranks uh gets chosen ahead of them doesn't like do her time because being hot isn't really something you can practice she is just has beauty in a way that the other ones don't this is taken as fact by the movie we'll get into it but she just possesses this quality of beauty in the movie that everyone is confused about and doesn't know how to react to but that is her path uh she's also like half dating the photographer who uh does the shoot who's like 24 <laughs> should not be dating the 16 year old bad but he's also like the nice guy capital i mean they're both critic both critically but also every other man in this movie is so predatory that he is by uh, comparison the nice guy also uh, he looks like a creep the guy just has creep vibes he just yeah. has creep vibes but he is textually the only man yes. in this movie not actually abusing her yes 
uh, as she stays longer in LA, is like menaced by um, Keanu Reeves, who is the like manager for her motel, uh, who's into some fucked up shits, uh, and is revealed later to be like a, a pedophile in his own right. Um, uh, rises through the ranks of the uh, fashion industry, uh, is like made to take her clothes off and. Uh, you know, uh, photographed by uh, what's that guy's name? Like Terry Richardson or something? What's it like? The, the, a fake one of those? One of him? He's a fake Terry Richardson, but I don't remember his real name. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the name of the movie. I just like that's that's who the character is. Yeah. Um, and as she does this and get becomes like uh, more important, she like it all goes to her head, and she keeps talking to everyone about how she's like she is beauty, and everyone looks at her and is jealous of her, and they want to be me, because they they all start getting cosmetic surgery to get what I have inherently. Uh, this uh, raises to a point where, like, eventually the the uh, Keanu Reeves and other such uh, guys around her have made her so uncomfortable that she returns to the safety of uh, her friends, uh, her friends being those, uh, you know, other models who don't like her, uh, and uh, Jenna Malone is like a makeup artist who attempts to also force herself on her after she's running away from the men who've been doing that uh turns out the women were also doing that to her uh and it goes further and jenna malone and the other girls kill her and eat her because they want to have her beauty for themselves (laughs) um one of uh, like so jenna malone goes on like has a possession scene and we don't really (laughs) see what goes on with that but like births something monstrous and then lies in uh in jesse's unmarked grave that's where her plot goes the other two models who are called sarah and Gigi, it's not really important um but uh Gigi vomits up her eye and like kills herself trying to get jesse's spirit out of her whereas sarah committed to the hard uh doggy dog world of fashion picks up the eye and eats it and goes back to the shoot because she will become a demon to uh you know do whatever it takes and uh, that's the end of the movie uh yeah that's correct <laughs> that was more expensive than i thought i was gonna be but uh you did ask to get all the p- points in yeah. that's everything that happens basically <laughs> um so if you were at con would you have walked out or clapped i'd have been like oh i can wake up now <laughs> i would have that's, politely that's clapped i don't i don't i don't think i've ever clapped at the movie at a movie i've i've never clapped at a movie and i always think it's weird when people do because it's not like the actors are there i guess if like they're you're at a premiere and the people are there you would clap but they're not they're not there i guess at con they might be there yeah I they might at, be there at con. i was at a it, it, i must have been a press screening or some kind it wasn't the premiere because it was like for, for the public but i had won tickets to a some kind of special pre-release screening uh, for the Expendables, the first Expendables movie. And There's a bad it. fucking movie. There's a yeah, question. Uh, our question of the week. I thought about naming this Expendables as one of my choices for that. Yeah, and I was um, watching it in the uh, massive Empire screen in London that they've cut into mul- more multiplex screens now. But it was like one of the historic cinema screens in London, and because it was like a pre-release screening, but had you know had fans in, everyone clapped for the names right as they came up on screen. But then everyone clapped so much that it became a taking the piss bit, and we just kept clapping whenever there was a credit on screen. <laughs> it was like a fucking school assembly. It, the energy was so weird. <laughs> That's my main memory of The Expendables, which is otherwise the most boring movie ever made. Um. So, uh, as I'd mentioned before, I, I've seen Drive and I've seen Bronson. Um. I had kind of falling off Refn because I thought Drive was intolerable. Um, I like this movie more than Drive. Um, 
But um, that's because, you know what I really like is fucking Showgirls. I re- today, over breakfast, I realized Destiny not seen Showgirls. So at some point, we're definitely going to do Showgirls for Real Choice Gratings because we, we got to watch a good version of this. Yeah, when I picked Neon Demon, I was expecting more like Showgirls, Eyes of Laura Mars vibes. Um, and not what we got. But yeah. I think I like this movie more than both of you. Um, well, yeah. Um, I'm kind of in the middle, up and down. Jackson just didn't like it, so. Yeah, so, like, I thought it was massively stupid. Um, yes, that, I mean, that often... I agree with 100%. Well, yeah, yeah, no, that I also agree with. Uh, in ways that are often very funny, uh, like the opening scene where they're like, did you know lipstick only sells if it's about like food or sex and they're like oh what's your colors pink pussy and i'm like what's fucking happening here this is the stupidest movie ever made um that stuff is all entertaining uh but like because it's winding reference um most of the movie is just very long shots of her looking at the fucking fashion triforce as like you know some strobe lightings happening uh and i'm like oh very abstract uh nick well done um, there's a there's a bit where they go to this fucked up club and it's like one person in shibari and like a strobe light <laughs> and it's like meant to be like this is the new decadence I'm like what are you doing <laughs> yeah so that watching, was this, like, watching this movie i was like remember when we watched crash and we're talking about how kind of silly it all was i take back every middling thing i said about crash if this is the standard <laughs> by people which operate in cinema well, the, the the clear thing is, as this movie is going, it thinks it's doing like incisive, profound critiques yes. of uh, femininity, of masculinity, of beauty, of all these things. Uh, and every single like, it's not even that it's wrong. It's the the entire premise of every question it asks is wrong. Like it's so <laughs> wrong headed that I can't begin to like disprove it. Like, what well, what are you fucking talking about? Beauty is not like an inherent thing that you can eat. I don't <laughs> um, think. I don't know. Like, I don't really think it was saying that it actually believed those things, even though the characters did. I mean, they they kill her and become more beautiful by eating her body. That literally is what happens. But they don't. Because the guy walks in and notices Sarah for the first time, even though he's seen Um, her like six other times. And is like, who are you? I guess he does. Okay, never mind. Uh, I just, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> like it's clearly a metaphor for like the ways in which this industry like consumes women, right? Like the, they're literally consuming her. It's the most simplest metaphor ever done yeah. on screen. The, the, the problem is it posits that as like women are like sacrificed, like as like you know vestal virgins to the altar of fashion. Um, which like there's a lot of exploitation in fashion, but like the women go into it because they also love fashion. Right? <laughs> right, yeah. So that, that was one of the things that I thought was really strange about this movie, um, which is, like, the way the photo shoots work, which is they are fucking alien planets for some reason. <laughs> like, you have the single, like, auteur mind photographer, right, who is stern uh, and will, like, have these artistic decisions and force himself on these women's bodies. And I don't mean, like, in a sexual way. I mean, will literally, like, forcefully declare this is what you want. Your body now belongs to me the, the, my The art, metaphor right? is definitely that she is being, like, assaulted, right? The way it works. Yes. He's like, we got to close the set. And then uh, Jenna Malone wants to hang around in a way, like, I'm not going to let you predate on this girl. And then he, in the in the text of the movie, he does not do that. But in, like, the subtext of the movie, he absolutely does that. But, it, but oh, it's, sure. it's about how the art is the assault. It's about, yes. like, yes. how... The forceful taking of these women's bodies and, like, shooting them in these ways is the assault, not about the ways in which a set creates, like, 
a fluid space of morality for like bad actors to thrive. Also the way um, in which a model is a collaborator in the act of fashion, right? right? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, because like Ryan Reffin definitely believes that like the artist is there and the artist is doing violence, but it doesn't have a space for like the art can be collaborative and right. And you know, everyone has a space in these things. It's such a weird, it's a weird broken metaphor. Uh, well, yeah. It's so unreal that like, I didn't really take it as literal, but I get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, yes, <clears throat> everything's happening is like dreamlike and weird. And everyone's saying like well, really stayed lined. It's, it's not. It's, yeah. It's weird. Cause the way in which Refn shoots unreality is like, this is a movie made for a Tumblr gift set. And I appreciate yes. that. I love a Tumblr gift set. I love a movie that's like really pretty and dumb as rocks. Um, <laughs> but um, because of that, it, it has no space for interiority, really. Um, the movie spends an hour and a half building up to uh, the reveal that Jenna Malone is a, a predatory lesbian vampire. I saw her three minutes in the movie. I'm like, man, she looks like a she's predatory, predatory lesbian, lesbian vampire. vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yep, same. Exactly. It's, when she's wearing the suit in the mirror. Yes. Literally the first scene, like the way she the way she regards her in her first gaze is like, well, okay, she's the villain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was really obvious. But I she's not. And it, it's weird because like they, they have some stuff where like the movie is almost pops its own, it has space to pop the own bubble in a little bit. There's a bit where Jenna Malone moonlights as like a, a uh, mortuary makeup, makeup yeah. person, right? Like she puts, she puts makeup on dead bodies to make them presentable for funerals. Um, but because Refn can't get out of his own bullshit, these shots are shot in like the most like blue lighting where Jenna Malone's a redhead in this movie and her hair just looks green. That's how blue everything is. I'm like, you can't color match in a room like this. <laughs> Like if if this if these had been shot in like hyper realism, it would have been like this is the world outside of the dream world, right? But there is no outside of the dream world here. Uh, everything's in the dream world. There's nothing real in the Neon Demon, and I think that like hurts the movie because the movie should be about the ways in which Jesse wants to live in the dream world, and the dream world is a thing she like starts to scrape against and then is pushed into and can't find her way out. And if Jenna Malone was just someone who like lives in her weird vampire castle, but then also goes and like works in a morgue that's lit like a normal place and fucks the corpses. And it's gross. Um, there'd be like, you'd understand that like these other characters can live in two worlds. And the reason Jesse's consumed is because she doesn't know how to walk out. Right. Um, but there's none of that. There's no like outside of the dream. And in, in this movie, it's all the aesthetic um, because heaven forbid you have a shot that isn't beautiful. Um, there's, there's a bit in the middle movie where Jesse just, um, after she sees the fashion Triforce and she kisses herself three times in like the, the mirrors of the Triforce, she just becomes evil Jesse for a good reason. Like she went through the Black Lodge and became a Tulpa version of herself and it's never commented upon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, her like creepy boyfriend question mark is like, well, you've, you've changed. You've embraced, you've like bought into the bullshit. And I'm like, it's been 45 minutes. Like she didn't, buy- <laughs> she, she didn't buy into the bullshit over time. Right. Like, and the movie yeah. does this intentionally. It like, sh- it is drawing attention to how weird it is that she has changed so quickly. It puts it in this individual moment. Like she but does then it also still makes it that she's still the same girl. Because the end of the movie right. is still her as she was at the beginning, being consumed by the women, right? It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's weird. And, like, ultimately, I think that the, the, the fundamental... Uh, okay, I'm going to say fundamental flaw, but I purely mean in, like, a serious sense. Um, this doesn't necessarily take away from it being stupid and fun. Uh, it's like... 
Drive is a movie that is also doing this, but it is, you know, about men, for men, as are many of Nicholas Winder reference movies. They're always like these mythic stories of violent masculinity. This is this is why this is why I like Bronson a lot, because Bronson's about Tom Hardy getting naked and murdering men in prison. Like it's like the most manly man in the world. And it, uh, it turns into like homoerotic camp because Reffin doesn't know how to do subtlety at all. Um, right. but, but, but he's it's making, fun in that way. But he's making these like myths uh about the intersection of masculinity and violence uh and how uh like this leads to a certain kind of emotional repression uh and the ways in which beauty can escape through that is my generous reading of movies like drive right which is a movie i watched and thought was okay (laughs) um but it clearly resonates a lot and here he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about he's like it's like why is this guy trying to do a movie about like what it is like not only what it's like to be a woman but it's not even about the ways in which women are amused by men it's about the like interpersonal dynamics between different women in a misogynistic society and industry uh he don't know what he's fucking going on about i don't care how many female co-writers he brings in it's really weird because like there's a whole bit where like the the two models Gigi and sarah who i think are like my favorite characters in the movie they're played by actual models and i yes. feel like they do really good work in in roles that are otherwise thankless they could just be the mean girls but there's I like a lot of go ahead I, was, I, I think it's so rude to cast actual models in a scene where you make them stand up and go that she's fake and doesn't have the real beauty well yeah That's this so is the thing rude. so like like they're they're very upfront like it's like oh i have work done this is the world we live in but the thing is why are the, if these characters live in the vampire castle and devour young women to retain their youth, why are they getting plastic surgery when they have mag, literal magical powers in the text of the movie to make them young and beautiful? There's no I need. I think that was the first time they'd ever done that. I don't think that was like a regular thing they were doing to stay young and beautiful. The movie is not clear one way or another. And in fact, the, the me, very end, like, the very end of the movie is like another woman coming out of the desert, as if like this is the cycle of like there's always a even the beginning when they're like pouting in the, the diner. They, there's like oh, there's always new young girls coming in. It's just like the idea that like the the cycle is the people who are entrenched devour the neophytes to come in to retain their power. Right, that's the metaphor the movie's operating on. Yeah, I I just didn't read it that way. I don't know, like it's just not how I read it at all. Um, like but, they they wouldn't have freaked out if if that had been their like a thing that they were doing on the regular. You think? I mean, but like I, it's I really assume- it's really unclear as to whether Gigi freaks out because uh, she's never devoured a person before. Or she freaks out because they devoured the most pure and beautiful woman in all the world. Because um, the the movie still believes that Jesse has a special something that no one has. Being sixteen. It's um, beyond that, even though. But, but, oh, I know. Man, I was man, kidding. My main thing here is that, like, there's a bit where these two women are desperate. Um, I think it's specifically, is it Gigi? I want to make sure. Yeah. Um, where Gigi is trying to impress this casting director um, uh, who is just uh joe bluth in his magician garb basically the entire time he sounds like that he's just a fucking cartoon man and even jesse who's from the sticks and has probably never met a queer person in her life is like i don't think he's playing for the team that would be interested in you gg and gg's so fragile and broken about like why doesn't this man pay attention to me as he's like messing with his fucking handkerchief while he's like looking at these women and uh like the movie's just like because he's gay because he's a weird foppish gay man um but, like, not to say anything, just to be like, Jesse could understand the truth of this. And he still saw through that, his disinterest in women, to find her beauty to be a sublime thing. Um, 
in a way that Gigi could not, who is both a vampire and has a bunch of plastic surgery done. I'm like, what? Why? Why are why all why all of these things at once? And also in the middle of this is uh Jesse being evil Jesse for like 15 minutes. There's a bit where she's standing in in her full like evil garb. She just looks like Roller Girl from Boogie Nights. I just keep bringing it up. It's very touchdown for me. But she just looks like like 80s burnt out too many drugs roller girl from Boogie Nights in the middle of the fucking motel um the counter reeves works at and it's all lit in like this bright green light like it's still the it's still the unreal dream like this is the moment to pop the bubble where she thinks she's in the dream world but she's just in a shitty she's just in the shitty memento hotel like that's where she lives but the movie still wants to make that also a beautiful nebulous space where the walls go transparent and lit in silhouette and fucking mountain lions climbing through the window and and look profound uh like it's uh antichrist for no good reason and the reason I refuse to believe that Refin doesn't think that this stuff is like, I can't, is like, one of the emails we got was like, please talk about the time William Friedkin interviewed Refin. I was like, what is this? Oh, this uh, is, I didn't know. I think I, Refin's doing a bit in this clip. Do you? Because I, I can't, I can't, I just don't believe it given the movies he makes. You might be right. But like, I look at it, I'm like, I think there's two directors riffing. So it's, it's Friedkin talking to him and Refin is basically pouting about how, uh, no one takes his movie seriously. He's making movies as good as Citizen Kane and uh, and um, and 2001. And people should take his work seriously on the same level. Uh, he was really mad about the reception to Only God Forgives, which is a wildly derided movie. Um, I think that's what the, the way in which this interview is being done. Um, and there's a bit where he's like drives drives a classic like like 2001, and Friedkin's like drives four years old. Shut up, four years is nothing. Um, I don't. I feel like. Nothing about Refn's work implies to me that he is a man with a sense of humor. Um, um, yeah, maybe. I, I've only seen the like ninety seconds that goes around on Twitter. Yeah, uh, and it just so it just reads like a. And to be fair, I read I read a transcript because I was eating lunch and couldn't. I was like, I, like you know, I was eat, eating breakfast and reading this because I didn't have time to watch it. <laughs> I have no idea, but it like it's it seems like the, the there's um bits in the uh, this is not a reference anyone but british people will get, will get but like in the stuart lee comedy roadshow him and amanda Nucci have like into like fake interviews about the com- comedy that they're doing where he comes off as more pretentious and it's it's very funny it's they're, they're good bits uh and i don't think it was like that kind of comedy but it definitely i see the clip i assume and maybe this is just me being generous but i'm like no one would say this earnestly no one would say this earnestly to camera on camera and not feel insecure about it therefore it has to be like playing up the bit as its own kind of insecurity i can't take it like as completely honest i have to take it as refin playing playing a character of his own uh like pretentiousness as a shield for the things that he probably actually does believe that i don't i don't know i i don't i can't like factor into my analysis because i don't know yeah i don't know um i just i look at this movie and I, I see a movie that like desperately is begging to be camp it has all of the signifiers of a thing you could read as camp but none of the things cohere into like the like moving beyond like the text and like to be something funny um it all is taken very self it's very serious that she goes into her vampire castle gets pushed and like stands in the pool and is like my mom always said i was dangerous i just had a beauty that drove people crazy and then jenna malone fucking murders her and then they consume her body and then jenna malone has a blood baby for no good reason um (laughs) yeah i mean and i like all of it all of it is like signifiers of a thing that could be like even if it's not like full on camp, it could be like indulging in the the like absurd grotesque in a way that like a genre Lin is just like a guy I don't particularly like. But his movies are 
in many ways similar to this, but just have a je ne sais quoi that this movie does not have to me, where I feel like this movie is just trying to just like wants to be incisive about the, the interior lives of women and the way society uses them, but written by an idiot man who has never understood a fucking thing in his life. Well, no, he, he brought in like specifically brought in women copywriters. I know. That, but like, but I just think at some point you're making you are making you are shooting the movie and you don't allow anything yeah. other than like the beauty on the screen, right? I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying that like in a movie that Reffin makes, the writer is so subsumed by the directorial style, yeah, uh, that it doesn't matter what's on the page. At some point, like the 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 sheer impact of the montages he wants to make is yeah. overriding the scripts. Also, I think it's I think it's important to know that he is like he wrote the story and then wrote the screenplay with you know two yeah. of it. So like. You, you can't you can only polish a turn so far right i mean he like it's not like a woman wrote the script and he directed he brought in women because he knew i don't really know what i'm fucking talking about on some level he had that self-awareness yes. but he still initiated and moved forward for the idea himself in charge the whole time yeah and here and the thing the thing for me is like there's stuff in this movie that i think is there's a bit like before counter is turned into a weird child rapist for no good reason he's just like wearing a tracksuit and acting like he's Clint Eastwood in his seventies in this movie. And I'm like, this is beautiful. I would love weirdo. He's not actually this old, but he's acting old counter Reeves just being a cantankerous grump. Right. Um, like there's, there's so there's dozens of bits in this movie that I think are like on their own without context. Funny. But then you, you listen to Refn or you look at the reviews they are like, this movie is like a modern take on Unshin and or is lifting <laughs> lifting the themes of, Twin Peaks firework with me in The Shining and I'm like you can't give you can't if this movie is camp uh, it is not landed with the people that it needs to land to with camp the, the guys who are reviewing this movie think it's profound and beautiful in the way that like you can't compare this movie to Twin Peaks firework with me it is illegal it is it is <laughs> genuinely ghastly to me to do that yeah you can't you can't do that you just you just can't do that you can't fucking do that I'm sorry uh, like the bit where she's dreaming of Keanu Reeves like forcing on a deep throat a knife or whatever yes uh, and like you're like oh that's such provocative imagery but I'm like no it isn't it, it isn't though like it, it isn't provocative imagery like it's it, I guess sexual and violent but it has to be provocative then she wakes up something. then she wakes up and seemingly he is about to actually come in and rape her right like it's yes. they can't they just can't help but like do it again like here it is yeah. and then she goes to the next door where we've already been told there's like a 13 year old girl who's run away to, to LA staying yeah. yeah real Lolita I, shit yeah and like we don't even know it's him, right? We don't see him. The whole no. thing is is it's right. about like it she's running away not? from the cartoonish idea of like male violence. It's it's a it's setting up the Jenna Malone twist, right? Like she yeah. has to like run away from the extremities of this masculine violence to what she thinks is the safety of this women uh, of the, these women, but the women are also there to like sexually assault her. Um, yeah, but that that's part of bad. why I think the movie's inability to pop the bubble of the yes. dream makes the whole thing collapse, right? Yeah. It's weird because like the two movies it's reminded me the most of, and I don't have like I know it's pulling from a lot of spaces, but it's obviously like it, it's Boogie Nights on the one hand, and it's Perfect Blue on the other hand. Oh, for um, me, it's like it's like Showgirls. Um, this happens after the fact, but like I was thinking of like um, American Marriage. Talk about last episode. It feels like a much nicer, like more thoughtful take on a lot of these same ideas. Um, way more agency in, in the interior lives of women in that movie, um, and stuff like. Um, God, what's that? Um, what's that vampire movie we saw at Destiny? Um, that uh, the Miss Forty Five guy did the Addiction. Oh, the Addiction, yeah, yeah, the Addiction's really good. Um, or genre Lynn. So yeah, different touchstones. Yeah, kind it of remind me thing. of genre Lynn. Um, yeah, no, no Jackson, when I, you were say, Jackson, I think oh, Jackson's Jackson was, still yeah. saying that. Oh, but I, like Destiny's not said as much. I'll, I'll let Destiny go. Okay. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, if they had leaned more into the stupidity, and I guess you've already kind of said this, like, it, it it had the morality of essentially a Tyler Perry script. <laughs> um, which, like, you know, since it was so unreal, I, I didn't mind it, but it, it just, it took, it takes itself so seriously. Yeah. And it just didn't, it didn't work all the way. But I thought it was hilarious when she ate the fucking eye. I thought that was just the best i can't believe it's only like 15 minutes at the end the entire movie should right. have been like weird uh grotesque vampire fashion uh-huh. ladies doing like y- yeah because i was told oh this movie is so shocking but it's only shocking because it spends hours building up to it uh and it's only shocking for like you know the sheltered con viewers right like anyone who's seen an exploitation movie before is going to be like yeah the whatever. thing is track like Trash in bad taste airs at con all the time. I don't understand why anyone would react to this movie strongly. Um, if you're if you've seen enough movies to be at con, I feel like you've already seen worse and better than this in both directions about the things this movie's about. Yeah, I just don't think it's like that provocative and intense in the imagery in any way. Like I'm not a horror movie person. I didn't even have to like you know turn the light. It was fine. It was just the whole movie was fine. It was, there was a one bit where she opened the door and like there's like a jump scare. Uh, yeah, that's setting up the um like Jaguar in her room. Uh, but that's just like a pure jump scare thing. Like the actual like build of the horror at the end was nothing. It was like, it was not like strongly moving imagery. Mm-hmm. It was a whole um, bit where she like, she goes to her, like Jenna Malone's house and is like, oh, you got a really nice house. She's like, no, this isn't my house. It's like, well, how long have you been here? And I'm like, why, why does she not say like a hundred years? Why did we not lean into her really being a vampire who's lived in LA for like a century? Like you could do so much with this movie. Yeah because it wants to live in the space of of like this is the eternal myth of what happens to girls who go to la um but -hmm. i think it would just be better if it was more specific about the like uh parts where it's also a supernatural movie yeah Um, yeah um, all this said i had an all right time (laughs) that's the worst part (laughs) i honestly mean i'm like there's bits here that i find funny i think it's like i think uh i think most of the i think all the actresses in this movie are doing good work um I like I like both the models a lot. Uh, I love they know exactly what they need to do. I think the one scene Christina Hendricks is in is really funny and good. Um, and uh, I think there's just a lot on the ground here. But also I like the I like the weird gay magician man who's the casting director. I think he's really funny. Um, but um, the, when I read positive reviews of this movie, I lose my mind. It's the worst movie ever made. If it inspires people to take it seriously like this. Uh, it, it is irresponsible art to me. I just like want to climb the walls. I become the mountain lion who wants to just maul people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's, the Boogie Nights thing is so funny to me because it's doing a Boogie Nights thing. Right? You have this young talent who has something special that everyone wants and like changes. Can you imagine how much Boogie Nights would fall apart if it was about a young woman? yes right first of all that's true as well but even even if it was the same character but it like treated fucking marky mark's dick in the way that this treats beauty as oh, like, it was, if it was if, it, if like he opened his pants it was like the fucking briefcase from pulp fiction every time <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what this movie is though right yes i think about big guys all the time i was like before i had watched it i was like you know thought it was going to be a movie about the ways in, in which like you know having a certain body makes you like special and easier to move about the world and that's not what Booganize is Booganize is about how like 
capitalism commodifies everyone. America yeah. commodifies everyone. You are born in ways that are beyond your control and you take like, you know, the things you are able to manipulate and, and engage with and attempt to form like communities. That's what like Big Nice is explicitly about. Yeah. Uh, and it's not condescending it's like it's just not a takedown of like people who like to fuck for a living right it's not a takedown yeah. of that uh it's like a very empathetic and caring movie about a complicated thing that just happens to be taking place in in the porn industry whereas this is like deeply moralizing about beauty as a thing as like this thing that it doesn't understand desperately wants uh and also thinks that like vapid shallow people like it thinks that beauty is vapid and like people who care about beauty this much are vapid and shallow and to be criticized but it also agrees with them like that critique yeah. comes out so clearly of a place of resentment like it's so obvious and one like, of the things that's on? really striking to me is the way in which l fanning's beauty is de- and like like she, you know these are all gorgeous people in this movie but like when they shoot the supermodels they're all like they got real supermodels like there's just like there's whole scenes where dozens of supermodels are standing around in a casting room in their underwear like draped over chairs and stuff and then Elle Fanning's there and the idea is like the casting director reacts strongly to her but it's like yeah she doesn't look like a supermodel she's an actress and you lit her differently everyone gets the flat lighting of like this is this is the like the way women are paraded as meat and she gets the like I'm the hero of the movie lighting. Like, of course everyone reacts differently to her. The the text by which you depict her is different. She has a different body type, but like that just leads to thinking like Refn just thinks that the commoditized supermodel idea of beauty is stupid. Um, But beauty itself is still a powerful commodity people will kill for. And that's noble and good. Um, And I'm like, you're so confused about the, you just hate supermodels. You hate the beautiful women in Hollywood who have rejected you, my guy. It's, that's really what it comes off as. Yeah. Because, like, supermodels are not, like, the gold standard of beauty in the society we have. They're, like, a... It doesn't engage with the fact that the supermodel, right, as, like, a person who exists, as a constructed, uh, like, role in the world, it, it doesn't represent the highest peak of beauty. It represents a specific, like, person and body type commodified yeah. in a specific way about the fashion industry. It is, like... Supermodels would not be considered the most beautiful people in other contexts. The point is the context is. There, is I mean, there is are there are aspects, there are parts of society where that is held up as like the ideal aesthetic for women, right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying um, that like the, that change is based on the context of society yes. you're in. Like yeah. supermodels, the people who are going to be supermodels are not like it's not like there's an objective measure of what beauty is. It is an industry that wants certain people to look a certain way to sell certain things. Uh, and this movie doesn't like. It critiques the commodification, but not the, like, construction, right? It still takes it as writ that what it does is put the best, most beautiful bodies on display. Yeah. 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 Weird. Weird movie. Wish it was dumb. I wish there were actual vampires. Did I? Um, yeah. You can yeah, say no, that about most movies, though. <laughs> yeah. Wish there were more vampires. Just make a Jenna Malone vampire witch movie, please. Vamp- not only so the hard. idea of vampires, but Dracula himself is in the public domain. There's no reason not put Dracula in everything you make. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lifting this from I'm list- lifting this from the um, Lower Decks comic, um, which uh, has like the author sides. Uh, who's the guy? What's the guy's name who makes that? Um, uh why can't i think of his name is that ryan yeah ryan north has the whole thing where he does like the alt text at the bottom of the comic like all of his comics he comes out of web comics mm-hmm. and he there's a bit where they fight dracula he's like dracula's public domain there's not only should you can you put dracula in everything you have a moral obligation to put dracula in everything you make <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> um 
And uh, yeah, Jenna Malone in this movie is very funny. I liked her quite a bit. Um, the reveal that she's evil because she has all these tattoos is so funny to me. Um, I assume that meant she had like occult power. But they're like, they're just like hipster tattoos. They're not even like that. They're not like wild occultist tattoos. I she guess just they're got, not, She's yeah. just got some like line work on her. <laughs> I know people in real life and I'm not like, I'm a fairly sheltered person who doesn't like get out much, I guess. But like, I know people in real life who have more daring like tattoos and body modifications than this, right? Like this is nothing. <laughs> this, this, this to me was in line with the part where like the weird fucked up party they go to is like one person in Shibari. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, it's just, such a sheltered idea of what like fucked upness is yes like here i uh i found i found the image and i look at this and i'm like this is this is this is not a woman who's got occult tattoos this is just a lady with some fucking hipster tattoo look at this there's nothing here <laughs> okay i guess i miss i don't know i when when the tattoos were revealed i was like i guess she's got tattoos i didn't i it wasn't until i looked like the like the ways they talked about the movie afterwards that i was yeah. meant to take meaning from the fact she had tattoos on her yeah yeah it's uh it's just the way in which people read this movie i feel like it's very self-revealing um <laughs> in a way that's like kind of funny on its own but it does like i said makes me crazy when people take this too seriously I, like i said i had a pretty good time um, especially as like right this is the, the tattoos being like this like moral judgment is so strange because like they're on her chest they're on her body right she doesn't display them in public therefore they they have to be in a world where they don't represent her being a vampire or whatever an expression of like a care for beauty and for your own body that is not commodified right she doesn't put them on display they offer her she does that to her body anyone who gets the two does it to their body because they want to do it to their body yes um, and it doesn't engage with like that's not the reveal. It's not the reveal that she has her own engagement with her body and with her beauty and all these things. It it takes it as like, isn't it scary that she's got things on her body? <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. No, it's not scary to me that, that lady had all that work done. I don't care. Okay, yeah. I hope she likes it. She looks great. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think we've talked this about the. Death there's there's a bit where there's a bit where oh god, right before we finish, there's a bit where she. Uh, I think it's Sarah runs down all the shit she's done. No, I think it's Gigi. And it's like, um, and Jesse's like, why'd you do that? She's like, so, cause I don't like my body. And she's like, well, no one likes their body. And she's like, well, I do in the most like dumb, like rogue from X-Men Southern draw. The, 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 the way in which she, Jesse's depicted is ridiculous to me. I, it made me think of, uh, Anna Paquin and X-Men multiple times. <laughs> she, She's a virgin, right? In a way that's like she's yes. a sheltered virgin. Yeah, yeah. Which is, first of all, a needless thing to put in a movie because it just like further like buys into ideas of beauty comes from like not fucking men and then you sully yourself, right? Um, mm-hmm. But also, it's not just that she's a virgin, but she's also played like someone who doesn't know how to hang out with women who might be talking about sex, which you could say is like you know leaning towards some kind of realism if she's from a certain kind of town uh like she's definitely like from this rural area and is meant to be sheltered uh but the way in which she acts in that first conversation doesn't like she's universalized too much it's like it, it it's why is she not able to talk to these women normally it just doesn't understand like how people communicate right because they're saying arch evil villain sex things and she's going god gee golly gosh i've just moved to la <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. But it's better than Pearl. So, you know what? It's better Fair than enough. Pearl! <laughs> <laughs> it made I mean, me want to watch a bunch of music videos. This is the actual thing that watching this was. I'm like, man, music videos are just doing beautiful shit all the time. I don't have to listen to a guy tell me a stupid narrative for two hours. <laughs> I mean, he, the, the funny thing about it is he missed the boat, right? Like, he... 
it first of all, it's not really a good for her movie. It's too judgmental for that. Yeah. Uh, and it's also like 2016 and not 2019. So it just misses the like A24 horror wave, both in time and sensibility. Even yes. though it's playing in similar areas. Yeah. But that's um, the movie. That's it. Yeah. Anything else, Destiny, or do you want to move on? Uh, nope. I think I've uh, said everything I thought. Okay. Um. All right. Emails. If you'd like to send an email, you can send them to a normal mapping podcast at gmail.com. They can be about the movie you're covering, any movies, the question of the week. Our question of the week was, what is your least favorite movie in a genre you like? Um. And we're going to go through these emails. Uh. A lot of them are just like context most people don't like uh this movie <laughs> um sunflower writes in uh question what movie would you recommend primarily for a good visual and auditory experience um a little movie called velvet gold mine <laughs> that's a pretty good one uh, i mean um, any I can't think of a movie I like that isn't a good visual audio experience. But just like only for that. Like just uh it's real pretty. Just don't just enjoy the just enjoy the things being shown at you. Ooh. Um hmm. Like o- only <laughs> some anime like I don't know, Rindoka Rebellion, maybe? I mean I also do like that genuinely. Red line. One of the fuck you know what? Red you yes. Find the one that's actually empty. Red line. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is good looking but doesn't have the like thematic material to back it up? It's fucking red line. You don't need it. I was I was thinking I was thinking about these and like it's weird because like I looked at some lists and like Jupiter Ascending comes up a lot. Um but I'm like, there's a lot. There's actually a lot in Jupiter Ascending. I wouldn't just say it's an empty, pretty movie. Um, Speed Racer comes up a lot, to which I get mad. Um, Tron Legacy comes up a lot, where I'm like, I, no, I, I understand no. this, but like, Tron Legacy is actually a really ugly movie, especially if you remember what Tron looks like. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I would say, I mean, Tron has a bunch of weird, it's actually like a really crunchy movie, uh, but Tron's better for visuals than uh, Tron Legacy, which is looks yes. like mud, digital yeah. mud. Yeah, uh, my my initial thought of this was the uh, the Immortals, the Tarsum movie, um, mm-hmm. which I wish I liked more. It's just kind of stupid. It's fine, but it's pretty stupid. Um, feel the same way about his Snow White movie. It's pretty stupid, but there's some bits and it looks beautiful. The man should get out of director jail wherever he is. I don't know. Um, and uh, Sunflower's answer to the question of the week was The Conjuring Two, which actually me and Destiny need to watch because we watched Conjuring. Um, I did say it was it's cheating to pick a horror movie because everyone's got horror movies they fucking hate. You're welcome to bring them in, but I want I would like an answer that's not in horror. Um, I've seen and- The Conjuring too. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I saw it in the theater. Oh damn! <laughs> oh, I, I was thinking of um, what's the one with the um, the the red the red demon behind the guy, not The Conjuring. Um, Insidious. Insidious two. We need to watch that. Yes, I have that one I've not seen. Um. Anyway, um, Sunflower picked Chronicle. It's my least favorite superhero movie. I wonder if I would still like Chronicle. I really liked it when I saw it. Uh, um, I did too, but I, I, I suspect that my opinions about it, the way it depicts like rival masculinity would not have aged particularly well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, I've read Akira now. And at the time I was like, oh, this is like Akira, but good. But now I'm going to be like, this is like movie Akira and that it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm like Tetsubo, the greatest hero of mankind, <laughs> almost kind of, it's complicated. <laughs> So why you got to read Akira and not watch it? Uh, Rick writes in. Uh, oh, no, actually, sorry. Uh, do people have answers about pretty movies? Vapid? 
looks good. Don't have anything to say. I mean, I agree with you on Redline. I guess like the Cowboy Bebop movie. Oh, well, that's like oh. it's still like fun though. That's not a movie yeah, where you like. I'm not calling it. Va- I'm not like calling it vapid. The question yeah. didn't say like vapid. Did it? it just said like no. Recommend watch, apparently for recommend. a good visual and audio auditory experience. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a fairly slight movie in its themes. It is a fun movie that looks beautiful. It's not, you know, it's not like saying anything wretched or bad. It just is pleasant to watch. Brandy yeah. to kill. Kiki's delivery service. There you go. Going down the anime list. Brand to kill, not an anime, for the record. No. <laughs> uh, Rick writes in. I really like crime fiction and thrillers. Um, I even like a couple from this director, but uh, the albatross around the genre's neck is seven. The created and perpetuates a whole aesthetic to this day that I cannot stand. Uh, I remember yeah. thinking seven was pretty dumb. I haven't seen it in a long time, um, but I don't like. Um, uh, Fincher very much. Period. So, yeah, I haven't seen it since I was at uni when I had like watched all the Fincher movies. There is a whole like, game. genre of seven ripoffs that are all pretty bad. So that yes. part's correct. That is that is true. I remember enjoying it, but I do I understand the complaint of like it's not a mystery. It's not like a detective movie. He just walks in two thirds of the way through, and he's like the rest of the movie was pointless. Uh, so I get that, and also it's Kevin Spacey. And, you know, there's like many reasons to not watch or enjoy Seven now. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, Hilfer writes in. Hilfer is the one who wanted us to mention the Friedkin interview with Refn. Um, I'm gonna have to sit down and watch the whole thing to see how I feel about it being real or not. I just, like I said, we're just read a transcript. Um, let's see. Uh, every Refn movie I've seen, Bronson onwards in order, I have liked or cared about less. <laughs> I do really uh, want to see the documentary his wife filmed about the making of Only God Forgives. I have to watch Only God Forgives first, but that does sound interesting. I remember liking Only God Forgives, but I, that was a decade ago, so who can say? If uh, the question, if the next five films you had to watch were randomly assigned to you from a single decade, which decade are you picking? Is anyone answering this question not saying the 70s? Yes. What are you saying? I'm saying the 50s. It's the decade I'm least watched in. So I feel like grabbing 50, like five movies would be really interesting because I'd probably just find things I've never seen before. Um, My other answer, I didn't know if it's cheating or not, is could I pick like. Could I pick the, the 1910s or something and get movies that are go- missing, like Lost Media? Would it just like pull from, <laughs> like, do I get the Magic Genie Wish where it's five random movies made then, even if they don't exist now? Because then I might get really lucky and see some shit no one's ever seen before. Um, no, you can't rules lawyer your way to different outcomes. You have to answer the question oh, well, then, as to what the it 50s, actually means. The 50s. <laughs> the 50s. Okay. It's just like the, the the 50s are probably the decade of film I'm least watched in. So, yeah, why not? If I'm thinking era I'm least watched and I'm going to say the 30s, okay. but as far as one, like, my knee-jerk reaction was the 70s. Yeah, I, I was like, I mean, it's the 70s, and I was like, do I want to be clever and try something else? And I was like, no, I don't, because it's obviously the 70s. It would be dishonest to say otherwise. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch five random movies from basically any decade uh, before the 21st century. I'm good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll... Give me any 10-year span before digital color grading. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, Grime writes in, uh, I didn't really grow up or ever get into movie- watching movies as heavily as I've gotten into something like music, which leads to me having bad coverage and the kinds of movies I've watched and just hasn't instilled a habit in me of just watching movies. Do you have advice in getting more into movies that you haven't really trained yourself into? Um, so I will want to say before we start this, if you are, I think this is just free and not at a dollar, but it might be at a dollar. If you're listening to GGP, you're at that tier. But if you just go to the Patreon, if you go to VoIP Life film crit shulk 
like film crit, the two words, and then Shulk, like the character from Xenoblade, S-H-U-L-K. You'll get a whole episode of me and Jackson talking at length about our history with film criticism, which is not the thing you asked. And I, do, I want to come back to because this is a different question kind of, but it, that is like a good primer on how to like view a movie. I think the best I've got anyway. Um, yeah. And that's like a good way of thinking about like how you think about movies. But it's a little different question to how you just watch it. I don't want to say there's a whole supplemental you can go check out if you want to. For just watching, I would say, like, think of the movies you already like and kind of go from there. Like, what did you like about them? Try to find more movies like that and then try to find things that are the total opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had someone in the Discord. I don't, I don't remember who it is. and I don't want to put them on blast. I'm not criticizing here. It was like, I really watched, never really watched movies before and I want to get into movies. And so they just would go to, like, the CEX and buy a bunch of, like, cheap movies. But that just That's means me. they watched a bunch of bad – what? That was me in 2012. No, no, no. Like I did that. I mean, the person I did that in the early odds. I know, uh, but like that just means that yeah. just means they watched a bunch of really bad action sci-fi films uh, from like too. the last 20 years. I know. Shut up. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yes. And and it's just the perception of movies was just big CG spectacles where like a chosen person fights things in space and there's explosions. And I was like, part of this is like. I would I would literally just go to like gr- best movies of a certain decades or best movies of all timeless and just like pick at them. Not if not all not entirely. Watch stuff that you know you're gonna like too. But like sometimes it doesn't hurt to be like what's what's the greatest f- musicals of all time and look at the top ten and pick one that sounds good. You know. Yeah, and um, then if you like an actor from it, watch that actor's movies. Yeah, if you watch like, some of the actors in. Uh, um, um, I think it, like being willing to just explore stuff that's outside your from reference and not like super, you don't need to judge it. You don't even have to need to have a take on it at first. Like, no. you know, like if you're like, I don't know. I thought about that. That's totally valid. Sit with that. And then come months later, you might be like, I really liked this thing about it. And maybe that can help you search for what to look forward next. Um, my big thing right now is I watch a lot of movies in like two sittings or, or three. Sometimes, um, you don't have to sit down and just watch a movie back to front. Um, my I've been really like scatterbrained lately and I watch movies when I'm like falling asleep. So I'll just watch a movie for an hour and then put it down. Um, and if that's all it takes, that's what it takes. Um, don't, don't, I don't give a shit. Watch a movie on your phone. What? Like I watch almost all the movies I watch on my iPad. Um, like, you know, when me and Destiny are watching something or if I have a nice Blu-ray, I'll, I'll not sit down in front of the TV, but I'll just watch movies on my iPad. I don't care. Um, don't worry about it. Like watching the movies to watch the movies is the thing. And if you're watching something and it's boring, um, you can always stop it. You can always come back later, watch it again. It, it, an hour of your life is not that much time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the thing we settled on on, on that uh, uh, podcast as as like our best advice is, um, it is better to watch a movie in multiple parts to stop watching it, uh, or to you know do something like that than it is to half watch it checking your phone. Yes. <laughs> um, but sometimes uh, I'm half watching something while I'm also tweeting, and it's fine if that's what you're doing. Um, oh, sure. But not like, everything. Like I'm going does, to watch does... this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because that is the thing I also struggle with, and like yeah. sometimes I'll just put something on and be tweeting, and um, yeah. it's it's fun. I do, I, I do be live tweeting movies. That is also fun. It just depends yeah. on the kind of engagement I'm I'm doing for, right? Yeah. Um, but it didn't like invalidate your experience unless you're like yeah. I don't really remember what happened in that movie. Then you probably overdid it. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens to all of us. There's definitely movies I've watched where I was like, I was mostly on my phone, and I don't really, I didn't really pay attention that much. Um, yes, hate to see it. Um, Allison writes in. Oh, when Neon Dean came out, I didn't like it much. Uh, in my memory, it's vague, surface level vision of more interesting stories. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, you remember um, right. 
It feels it pairs well with Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy as all vibes, no plot, potentially misogynistic horror films. I don't now, know what your feelings about... on those films are, but my question is this. Why is it easier to view, say, a genre Lynn film or an Argento in a positive light um, than it is something uh, like Mandy? Is it just because one old and one's new? Or is there something in those classics that's missing now when it comes to the representation of women and queerness? Uh, me and Dusty are talking about this. I don't I don't think I've seen an Argento I like, so I can't really talk about Argento on this level. Um, genre Lynn, I kind of give or take. He's like a creepo, but uh, his movies have a lot, have an energy to them. Um, yeah. He's one of my favorite directors. <laughs> I would not go that. I've, I've enjoyed some of his films despite themselves. Um, but like, I, I think of like Showgirls, which like, you know, Verhoeven's not like, he's a, he's a guy writing about a movie about women. Um, I think he just, he just cares about making a story that coheres. I think the thing with like the Mandy's and Beyond the Black Rainbows and the, the Neon Demons is like the guys themselves just aren't curious. I don't think of Refn as a curious guy. I think he like believes in the things he believes in and writes movies all bent towards around his like little nugget of what he thinks is a real thing. Um, and it's all in service of that. And that's fine. Beyond the black rainbow is a movie that like famously, I love the trailer of and thought was fucking terrible. I was so bored throughout the entire thing. Um, I, I didn't see Mandy cause of that. I thought beyond the black rainbow was so bad. I was like, I'm not gonna watch Mandy fucking wasted my time. I know it will be. Um, so I, I don't think age has any, I do think the sensibilities of cinema have changed. Like what, what people, what a lot of directors care about putting on the screen is different. Um, mm-hmm. Refn's not a storyteller that like is going to write characters in a way you identify care about, right? He write he no. he puts icons in scenes and then shoots beautiful things around them. And either you're in for that or you're not. But like I understand not. Yeah, it's a question I've been thinking a lot about, and I really don't have an answer for it. There's just something about those. Sometimes I think age has a little bit to do with it, just because. They're coming from a different time and, you know, yeah. it, it makes it more, um, not easy to forgive, but, you know, you kind of take it for what it is. But, uh, cause what, the way you just described Refn, I'm like, John Rowland does the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I also, John, the thing, the reason I like John Rowland is his movies are low budget enough that they often transcend into their own kind of campiness. Where I'm like, this is a movie that like kind of looks stupid. All the blood is really fake and no one in it knows what fucking is, but they definitely have a sex scene in every movie. Um, yep. And there's a charm in that that Refn does not have because Refn is locked Too- into excessive beauty as above all else. Right. Yeah, too self-serious also. I think yeah, John the, Roland was not as serious. Yeah, there's no charm in a Refn movie. He's desperately wanting to impress you with how beautiful his movies are. And that's antithetical to being charming to me. Charming in a movie is is when a thing, it, like, aspires to a thing it cannot grab. And Refn mm-hmm. will not put anything on the screen he can't, like, control. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, Karen writes in, Remember this being a people walked out at Cannes, you know, movie. I enjoyed Unreleased, haven't revisited it. Um, uh, would you or have you ever walked out on a movie at the cinema? I walked uh, out. Oh, no, go ahead. I've only done it once, I think. I think. The only time I've ever walked on a movie um, is the second time I was seeing Pulp Fiction in theaters. Um, and there's like the 20th time I've seen it, uh, me and my friend after the, uh, Mia Vincent Vega stuff just left to go get a, you know, late dinner early. We were like, we're going to we saw the part of the movie we want. Let's go have a smoke and get some food. <laughs> Not the same thing. I, I'm one of those people who like, 
when I'm at if I'm at a theater, I'm gonna sit through the whole damn thing. At least I'll have a story to talk about how much I fucking hated it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the only thing I've, I've considered walking out of a movie called Begin Again, which is fucking unwatchably terrible, uh, but I did watch it. So um, the only time I like, walked out was when I seeing a movie I had already seen before, and like there was stuff going on at home. I had to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I haven't like sat down for a movie and then just liked it so little that I've left. Yeah. Destiny? I walked out of The Wedding Singer the second time I saw it because there was a couple making out and they kept rolling over onto me and my friend's feet. But instead of moving seats, we just left the movie. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Karen's answer was, uh, I've only ever done it once. It was for the Piano Tuner of Earthquakes, which is not a movie I've ever heard of. Uh, not a movie you go see as a 12-year-old with your mom. You know? <laughs> it's a cool title, though. Um, Adam writes in, what's your favorite movie in which a large animal is discovered in a place it should not be? I couldn't think of one with a large animal. I always think of the bat in the great outdoors. Oh, that's a good one. I genuinely didn't know what it sounds like. I, what? How many movies? Like Jaws? Like what? Like, <laughs> I mean, sharks do live in the ocean. Is the thing? Yeah, but it should not be at that page. <laughs> I could. I could. I was like, what? Like, um, I was like, I don't. I don't really know of one I could think of that I like actually like. There's ones that like I saw as a kid. I'm like, is like like um, someone with those guys trying to kill that mouse. Is that um? Guys trying to kill the mouse? What are you talking about? It's like this 90s kids comedy about these guys trying to kill this mouse in this house. Mouse trap? Stuart Little? No, not Little. Stuart Little, a movie about an animal who does not belong where they are. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Mouse Hunt. Nathan Lane film. Yes. Yes. It's Gore Verbeginski's first movie. I did not know that. Really? Yeah, it's Nathan Lane and Lee Evans trying to fucking kill this house or this mouse that lives in this house. They get this house bequeathed to them and they have to get rid of this mouse that lives in it. And the mouse is just going to fuck them up. And the, the kid's subset of Die Hard Butt is Home Alone Butt. Home Alone but it's a mouse. Yeah, but the, it's <laughs> yep. not even like the mouse doesn't talk. It's just a mouse. It's literally just a mouse is the fucked up thing. Okay. <laughs> you could you used to be able to write anything in your movie. You yeah, could. that movie made $125 million. <laughs> <laughs> we used to be a real country. Yeah. It's why it's why Gore Verbinski got movies. Yeah. Um God. Uh yeah. Um let's see. Uh the answer for the question of the week was the the coldest uh possible take, but Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which yes, I agree. I didn't even see it. <laughs> every time everyone saw someone bring up a thing that happens to rise of skywalker and i'm like did that actually happen to be fair i saw that movie a year after it came out and i was like he- i had like 101 degree fever the day i watched it i was just in bed i was like i guess it's the day i watched rise of skywalker because i can't imagine doing anything else with my time right now uh, all right it led to a very whole filled memory of the rise of skywalker <laughs> uh question i don't think i think this is going to be out of your out of your reach but who is the main imperial villain of a rise of skywalker that isn't uh emperor palpatine go i was about to say emperor palpatine um uh, is hux the guy who died already hux the guy that he dies halfway through because he's the he's the betrayer right he's he betrayed 
some, he's oh, fine. right. It's the other guy. I don't I do not Yo, know. What's his name? <laughs> no idea. Not even a fucking clue. Dumb. Yeah, no. Who played him? No idea. <laughs> uh, that I will always remember because it's Rich D. Grant. Uh, and he did a video like before it came out um like promoting how amazing oh this is the one where the guy made fun of and got got blocked (laughs) or whatever right and then Libby made that video taking the piss and it's just so brutal like there's no coming back from that Richard oh it's so funny um that was not okay we have some more yes uh birdville writes in um after uh this I think I've realized I don't like Ruffin as director um what do you think about the use of slow shots? Is there a film films or scenes are left to breathe with great effect? Yeah, lots of them. Lots of them. So many. Yeah. Satan Tongo. Yeah. No, I'm not like anti-slow movies. Yeah. Um, Skinnamarink. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, ba, 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 ba. Nigel writes in, my least favorite movie in the genre I like horror is Goodnight Mommy, the 2014 Australian horror movie that dares to ask what if a kid had trauma. To be fair, that's every horror movie with a kid. I think Goodnight Mommy was very fun. Um, but I, I liked it. Yeah. yeah. We both, uh, we watched that together. Yep. They're remaking it. Fucked up? They're remaking it in the US yes. at some point. That might have already happened. I'll be honest. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember. Um, it happened my- last year. Oh. Okay. <laughs> My least favorite horror movie in genre and non-horror is My Lucky Stars, the martial arts comedy that dares to ask, what if a 96-minute Jackie Chan movie had 70 minutes in the middle about five losers who aren't Jackie Chan sexually harassing a woman martial artist? Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, I was going to say that. martial arts movie, I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah. Um, and then we have some questions from Tron. Um... The End Demon is one of the dumbest films I've seen in a while, which is very funny. <laughs> My answer to the question of the week is Avatar, um, which I guess like big sci-fi movies. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess so. Um, what are your thoughts on the soundtrack of this film? I thought it was the best thing about it. It was all right. It's, uh, everything it, sounds like a ringtone. <laughs> there's, a, there's a musical bit in the, in this. It's like some jangly like chimes that I literally every time was like, please pick up your phone. Why are we Why are we being forced to listen to this thing ring? Um, and, and it's not. It was just the, the soundtrack. It's um, Clint Mansell did this, right? I want no, to Clint Martinez. Cliff Martin, Martinez. Cliff Martinez, uh, right? Who did the music in Drive, which I right. really liked, but I did not really care for the music in this. Um. Yeah, I uh, thought there's things in the soundtrack I liked, but in the sense of like, yeah, I also really like uh, just a I I really like a Hotline Miami soundtrack. It's not that deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this is like the, the the wave after like drives on that tip, and this is a little later. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we like we like synths, but you're I generally I'm mid on synth in ninja. I mean, I, I like it. I'm not anti synth, right? But I'm this specific like. 80s inspired synth uh not not synth wave that's a different thing but this wave of specific synth style uh is not one i'm overly into uh i think it was kind of out of place in this one i was like you're just doing it because it's your thing and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really see what it adds aesthetically to like the thing you're doing other than this is the thing you do yeah sometimes it works i he did yeah, yeah. he did um Spring Breakers, which I, with Skrillex, I think that's a much oh, yeah. more appropriate well, score. That's yeah. a great movie. That's a way better movie than I. I feel like that one's taken a tumble in estimation over the years. Like when we yeah. watched it, we were like it's one of the hilarious classics. Um, and I, I don't see that much positive talk about it. But I remember loving Spring Breakers at the time. Um, all right. Um, what's your favorite looking shot in this movie? 
I like the shot where she's listening in on the um, attack on the girl and oh. they zoom out and zoom out and zoom out where it looks like she's almost in like a bubble <laughs> with her hands on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, do you want to go? No, no, go ahead. Uh, okay, mine, <laughs> mine is when uh, she tr- tries to open a room like the dragon's inside or whatever and so she goes to get Keanu Reeves. And she starts talking to him, and you don't know it's Canary, and he's in shadow. Uh, and he's talking to her, her. And then, like, she's, like, scared. She's like, this man also going to be terrifying to me. And then he, like, turns around and steps into the light, and he's just like, it's Keanu Reeves! And the audience applause! <laughs> it's such a funny shot. Um, the it, I don't really know what it's doing in the movie, because it's like, I, I think it has purpose. I think that moment is absolutely meant to burst the bubble of, like, here's a charming affable figure you know that won't assault her like she's scared of and will help her uh, and then like as the movie goes on it's revealed that's not true at all um, right she's scared of him from the get-go like there's that scene where she's walking up the stairs and he's behind her and she goes faster yeah it's but it is weird I, I don't think overall it's like trying to defang him but that one shot where he's like initially in shadow and then like steps into the light like it's fucking keanu reeves here it's such a <laughs> weird shot that implies a level of understanding of the artificiality of what's going on here that is not really present or around the rest of the movie yeah um i think my favorite shot is just the i mean he knows is the bit where she's doing the photo shoot and like it's when she turns around and the colors all change and it's just like her against black it was like oh, the gold on her face it's like yeah you, you fucking made it it could be a perfume commercial <laughs> it's nice though uh yeah um tron asks a question i don't know if i just don't know what's going on in film anymore or if tron's just mistaken um did you feel watching this film that you can understand why nicholas winding refn was chosen to direct the next blade runner film is there a new blade runner film he's making or is tron mistaken refn with D- denis villeneuve which is like the meanest to both men you could possibly be i guess th- I, I i'm fairly sure that's just uh mistaking refn villeneuve um, i should watch that blade runner i've never seen it i'm sure i fucking hate it i didn't really like it um it looked bad okay i'll say this i'll watch every refn movie and probably enjoy every of each one of them more than a denis villeneuve movie based on the denis villeneuve movies i watched so far uh yeah one day i'll read and then watch dune yeah i'm not i'm i can't, I can't bring i care about dune too much to watch dune i'll be mad dune blockbusters coming soon uh i guess i'll do it but i don't want to um all right um everyone what's your uh worst movie in a genre you like my genre that i picked was sort of semi-surreal visually beautiful dreamlike movie yeah uh the worst movie in this genre is upstream color i i wanted i was gonna do a special shout out to upstream color because i fucking hated that movie (laughs) at least it's gone away now because of you know that guy is uh turbo canceled yes 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 um and thank god uh because uh he sucks yeah um what did you not like about it destiny it it just one it made no sense uh which i don't need them to make sense but it just was like incoherent and uh insisted upon itself and um just i know that's a joke but like it really did (laughs) um and i don't know i was bored mostly and a boring movie is offensive yeah fair enough um my movie 
uh, is in the genre of uh, erotic thriller, I guess. Your um, favorite is genre. Ty- is Tyler Perry's <laughs> Temptation Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. You do oh hate that God. movie. Oh my God. We saw that movie together. That movie. And I yes. was, that was, that was my first and only Tyler Perry movie, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I was, I was on the, um, what's the, what's the name of, um, the, people were like, the, Blank Auteur. I don't remember what they were calling it. Vulgar Auteur. What? Vulgar Auteur, do you mean? There was a whole like idea of like these auteurs, but for bad movies. I don't yeah, remember vulgar, what the... vulgar tourism. I was right. Yes, that is vulgar. That is yes, the... yes. You just Britishness was eradicating the word vulgar. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had no idea what I started, you were saying. I started saying it, and then you, and then you were like really befuddled at me. I was like, have I made a horrible mistake? Here? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just I just couldn't parse the word vulgar coming out of your British mouth. <laughs> um, and I was I was I, so I watched like everything up to this point, and I was like, oh, the new one's out, Destiny. Let's go see it. Destiny hasn't seen any of these. This is when we we're uh just started dating we we're going to the movies a lot and it's just it's a fucking movie about uh a woman who cheats and because she cheats because tyler perry is very conservative about his ideas of marriage and, and sex uh gets punished by contracting aids like that's the fucking thing in that movie it's like brutal it's just so bad and i love myself an erotic thriller i do oh. <laughs> It's it's a shame. Like I had a d- bunch of these like Expendables on there. The horror one I can go on forever. Uh, X is really high up there. Obviously, I like noir and I fucking hate Chinatown. But everyone our age hates Chinatown, so that's nothing new. Um, a lot of these <laughs> cats. I watch cats. Fucking cats. Miserable. Ugh, gross. Love musical. <laughs> hate cats. I even like the musicals people don't like. You know, I'll watch Phantom of the Opera right now. I don't care. Uh, it's true you you would do that if someone was like hey do you want to watch Phantom of the Opera you would just yeah. immediately watch it yeah yeah um <laughs> uh yeah I guess that's mine uh Jackson um so I was like which which genre do I want to pick ended up just picking like spy movies because I do love I do love a good uh spy movie um, yeah always did as a kid because they were cool action and do as an adult now because they're you know sad politics movies about men in coats um yeah. <laughs> hitting both uh my uh favorite aesthetics i guess uh and uh i have to shout out one of the worst movies goldfinger fuck goldfinger it is really bad <laughs> hate goldfinger oh why is it the classic and the template for all of the james bond that goes afterwards it's so fucking bad there's there's probably a roger moore bond movie that i haven't seen that's worse i'm sure oh, there are definitely worse movies than goldfinger don't get me wrong but gold none of them have the cultural reach that goldfinger does yeah, which I just, I just hate it. I just hate Goldfinger. I hate watching it. Uh, I hate its reach. It's, it's so, such a bad movie. I was, yeah, bad time. Uh, yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, next, next time, my question of the week has nothing to do with the movies I'm going to pick. My question is, what is your favorite needle drop in a film? Oh, that's hard. Good question. <laughs> yeah, you have to think on that one. There's no good list for that. No, I have to actually like remember things, and that's impossible. I can't just well, click. You have, you have two sort weeks to do genre. it. Yeah. Well, I'll be doing it uh, about two hours before you record. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, think of mine until like minutes before we recorded for today. So, and I've been thinking about it for ages. Uh, and my movie, I'm, we're going to break format a little bit, and we're going to do a double feature next time. Uh, that I've wanted to do for a long time. We are going to be watching the 1961 film The Hustler and the 1986 movie The Color of Money. Um, yes. It'll be very clear why when we watch them because The Color of Money is in many ways a sequel to The Hustler. 
in many ways. <laughs> yeah. I believe well, they're both I'm... based on novels that are one is a sequel to the other. <laughs> so. Okay, so it's a little, okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah. so they are a all I know so is, is that the color of money is color of money is where Doom comes from, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. It was the video game Doom is named after a scene in the Color of Money, <laughs> which is a hilarious piece of trivia. But that is the one thing I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're both based on uh, Walter Tevis novels. I don't know who that is. He wrote The Man Who Fell to Earth, also, and The Queen's okay. Gambit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I remember liking both these movies. I haven't seen them in quite a while. Uh, it just really spans a whole... Those two decades, a lot happens. Those decades in cinema. <laughs> yes. But also, Color Money's a Scorsese movie, so, you know, he, he knows how to shoot a picture. Um, so that'll be it. Uh, I guess that's everything. Uh, Destiny, plugs. At Fridge Buzz now on the internet, and Battling Girls is my other podcast that I do with Bria D. Um abnormalmapping.com slash badland girls you just had an episode right yeah we just talked about our top 10 favorite albums mm-hmm. jackson you can find me at head falls off on twitter and co-host and you can find the podcast that i do with them usually at abnormalmapping.com go listen to them yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. I implore you to listen to both Ornate Stairwells at exportaud.io and Around the Longfire at abnormalmapping.com slash longfire. Uh, Neve has already threatened that Longfire this week is going to be partially a relitigation of the Neon Demon. So if you want a, fo- <laughs> a, a follow through on this episode, we'll probably do a little bit of it then. Um, the part and- where... Um- <laughs> This is Longfire becomes for you and Neve a follow up to each other's movie podcast because you both you both listen to each other's movie podcasts already in the DMs like uh, excuse me I wasn't there and I had the definitive word to you um, <laughs> but now there's an outlet for that publicly it's great yeah people seem to be really enjoying the fact that it's mostly a movie podcast at this point but um I do too so fair enough we're not stopping. You know- uh, you know, I'm gonna make one, one more plug that you don't know about that I'm gonna surprise on you. I was gonna do it live, but I guess I'll do it now. Okay. Um, because of when it will come out. Uh, but next week, uh, next Voip Life, uh-huh. uh, will unless you reject this, be a movie thing. Um, I have it prepared. Oh. I have it in the can. I have it ready to go. I have a yeah, very stupid I'm, thing. Absolutely, we should maybe record that uh this weekend. We'll see. Oh, you want to do it like tomorrow? <laughs> I want to do it like today because uh, next week we have a normal mapping recording, so we're going to be busy. Uh, we could we could absolutely do that today if you want. If you'd rather just get it done, yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, yeah. If you want to check out the Patreon, by the way, uh, patreon.com slash normal mapping. One dollar gets you the Great Gundam Project. We're watching Gundam Seed Destiny, which sucks, and uh, Our Battle Dunbine, which rules. Uh, five dollars gives you blockbusters. We recently did a big episode on Titanic. Everyone loved it. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, next week, next month, we are doing Pretty Woman, which I'm really excited for because I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, and then for ten dollars, you get Voip Life. Where lately it's been video game stuff, but there's a lot of movie talk in Voip Life. And Jackson's apparently promised a movie thing that we're gonna maybe do this afternoon. Um, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what this is because it was sprung on me. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, yeah. I guess that's everything. We'll be back with double feature in two weeks. Until next time. Movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them.